Please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Where are all my football fans? Do I have any football fans in here? Okay. The, uh, how many of you have ever watched a play where everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to do? They executed it perfectly. It was this amazing play. And you're like, oh my goodness, that was awesome. Right? Have you ever seen those plays, though, where everybody's lined up, they're ready to go, and one guy doesn't really know what he's doing, and it kind of messed the whole thing up? you ever seen those plays, too? Well, that's what we're talking about this morning. <laughs> we're talking about that one thing or that one um, situation. If we're going to walk in victory, we need to be on the same page with the Lord. So often we want to go through life and kind of do what we think God would want us to do or the things that we've been taught that a good Christian should do. And we don't ever check in to see what the play is. We don't ever see what the call is is coming in from the Lord to us. And so this this morning, as we travel through this, we're going to be talking about walking in victory. And this morning, as we look at walking in victory, we're going to see how to do it. We're going to see the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And so let's let's, uh, jump into our verses this morning, verse uh, 16 through verse 26 of Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I ask that you'll speak to us this morning. And Father, I ask that we'll be honest with ourselves as you uh, reveal your word to us. And Father, that our adjustments will come as we fall in line with the speaking of your Holy Spirit to us. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, come together as a body, to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and sit around your word and let you address us. And so thank you for all you're doing in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're going to begin this morning with how to walk in victory. That's what everybody wants to know these days. They want to know how to make the Christian life successful. A lot of us have walked through the Christian journey and felt at times like a failure, haven't we? We felt like we're not doing enough or we're not have, this isn't happening for us or how come somebody else is having this experience and we're not. And we go through these measurements of which we, how we measure what a good Christian is and what a good Christian does. 
And we, our emotions respond to that based upon what's going on with us. And that, I would uh, propose to you, is not the best way to determine whether or not you're on the road to victory or you're actually walking with the Lord. He says here, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desire of the flesh. It is impossible to do both. It is impossible to do both. I have said it many times. That if you are walking with the Spirit, you cannot sin at the same time. He will not lead you into that behavior. If I'm walking with the Spirit of God, the outflow is not sin. The outflow is the Spirit of God Himself. And how He brings to light the fruit on the branch which I am and you are. And so it's important that we learn how to do that. To walk in the Spirit. And so... That's the big question. We've all heard this before. Well, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill. Well, what does that mean? Right? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I'm going to tell you what it means. To walk by the Spirit, what you do is you check in with Him, you listen to Him, and do whatever He tells you. Well, how do I do that? Well, you ask Him. You talk to Him. You have a desire to hear what He has to say to you. And you check in with him in the morning. You check in with him through the day. You pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you sit at your desk at work. and with. That means that you have an attitude. You can have a conversation. How many of you have ever had thoughts in your mind while you were doing other things, right? It's the same idea. And so we, we talk with him. We have conversations as we go shopping. That's, that's number three on our list of 75 things. And so while we're there, you just never know how God is going to use you or what he's up to or what he's trying to talk to you about. And you'll, you'll have these moments and these things that will happen in your life that sometimes they're just these wonderful um, things, that positive things that happen. And then there's things that happen that are negative, that we would call negative. That's how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Have you ever had that happen? Where we call those kind of Christian howies where he's trying to speak into our life if there's something he wants to address and you're like oh man I don't want to know if I want to talk about that but if we're going to walk in the spirit what do we have to do we have to check in with him we have to listen and we have to obey and when you do those things you will find that the Holy Spirit will speak more and more frequently to you well you might be sitting there going well the Holy Spirit doesn't ever speak to me I don't ever hear him. He doesn't ever tell me anything. So I'm just going to do the best I can. And I know I'm saved because I prayed and received Christ as my Savior. And that's kind of the... I think that's 90% of Christians today will talk about their journey like that. And I would propose to you that you're missing out on the greatest thing. You're missing out on the moving of the Spirit of God in you and bearing fruit through you. Producing fruit that you bear. And that's part of the great joy that it is to walk with Him. And I will tell you this. If you want to increase the speaking of the Holy Spirit in your life, start obeying Him. Start obeying Him. Think about it this way. How many of you have ever had to supervise a group of more than one people before in your life? Whether it was a group working at, okay, a bunch of you. In that group, there was usually, there's always the one or two people who do anything you tell them, no matter what it is, no matter where it is, right? They'll just do it. They won't argue. They'll just do it. Then there's those people that want to question you and talk to you. And then there's the other people that won't barely do anything, if you, no matter what you do to them, right? Kind of when you're, when you're managing. 
When you think about who you're going to ask to do something or who you're going to, who do you normally go to? The one or two that are going to do it without question are going to make it happen. It's the same thing. That's how the Lord works with us too. Those who are willing, those who are open, those who are honest, those who are willing to be honest with themselves, even about their strengths and their failures, God will speak to you. You want to increase the speaking of the Holy Spirit? Increase your obedience. And if you say, well, he hasn't spoken to me lately, tell him, listen, I know you haven't been speaking. Uh, at least I don't think you have been. Uh, maybe you have been and I haven't been listening. But I'm willing to listen. Whatever you tell me, I will do. And then don't say in the, in the next few minutes, well, anything but that. <laughs> That's kind of what happens and it derails us, right? And then we want to go, well, I'm, I'm okay, I'm comfortable with this other. You know, I just would not pursue comfort in mediocrity. Don't do it. And so, to, to walk by the Spirit, you check in, you listen, and you do whatever He says. And so, the desires of your flesh and your spirit are in opposition to one another. Now, let me take this for just a minute, because this has been misunderstood, I think, over the centuries in some of the recent, well, it has been promoted in some of the recent Christian education. We do not have a sin nature anymore. You no longer have a sin. If you've prayed and received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you no longer have a sin nature. Now you have a flesh that is still unredeemed. My flesh is unredeemed. I find out every morning when I try to get up out of bed. Or when I make sounds, when I sit up, or when I get up off the couch or sit down on the couch. And so it reminds me how unredeemed it really is. And it only gets, it only gets worse as we get older, amen? Yeah, so you all know. Okay, remember when you were a kid and you would fall down and bounce? Now you fall down and before you try to bounce, you check to make sure you ain't broken anything. It's just part of, the, part of life and that's the journey. And so as we go through life, we are no longer wrestling with an old man. We're wrestling with a flesh that has fleshly desires. This body has desires that it learned to get fulfilled before we knew Christ in an ungodly way. It will still scream out for those things. And, and the enemy will, and the world will come against it and try to appeal to your flesh. And so the desires of your flesh and the desires of your spirit are in opposition to one another. Just because you want something doesn't mean it's God's will. Just because I want something doesn't mean it's God's will. I may want a seventh Twinkie, but that doesn't mean it's God's will. You know, it doesn't work that way. And so we have to learn to discern between the spirit and our flesh. The key, let me tell you how to do that. The key is, who does the action please? Who does the action please? Does it please God? Or does it please me? Now, let me tell you a scarier one. Self-righteousness can be very deceptive. We have to be very careful when we're dealing with self-righteousness. Because it will do things that are in this book that fall in line with what we would say God would want us to do. Can I pray for selfish reasons? Yeah. Any, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but uh, anybody here ever done that? I've done that. I've done that. Is that is prayer a godly act? In general? 
Yeah. So can we do things for God that are not godly? Yeah. Because when we rely on ourselves or our own effort to do it, that's not the way God designed it. He never designed us to live out this thing without the power of God in and through us. Because you can't do it. You can't live the Christian life. If you could, then, then why did Jesus have to go to the cross? We can't do it. And yet we still want to take some credit and have some hope that it has something to do with us. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. Nothing. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talks about that. For by grace we have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Because that's what we'll do. It's a gift that God gives us. And so, the things that you really want to do are the things of the Spirit. And the flesh will try to derail that. But, you know, and here's how the enemy, I'm telling you, this is how the enemy lies to you. He will tell you that you like certain sins or even love them. When I really love that sin. Or I really love this. And that's the lie part. Because if you are a brand new creation in Christ, you cannot love sin. Well, Pastor, you're wrong because I do love it. Well, let me tell you what's going on. Okay? So I'm, I'm glad you asked. So let me, this is what's happening. When you came to faith in Christ, the Bible says we're a brand new creation in Christ. Behold, all things become new, right? Old things pass away and all things become new. Does your Bible say that? Yes. Okay. I didn't get a new flesh, did I? When I came to faith in Christ, he didn't give me a new body. I tried to order one and he wouldn't give me one. So that's not new. The Bible says that our mind is renewed by the washing of the word. So that's not new. It's having to be renewed. So it's not my soul isn't been redeemed yet. So how am I a brand new creation? My old man is put to death. Did Jesus really die on the cross? I mean, dead, dead. He wasn't just like playing dead. He wasn't doing a possum thing. He was dead, dead, right? Okay. I'm told that I've been crucified with Christ. So if he was dead, dead, then I was dead, dead. Then what was dead, dead? My old man. It's dead. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. In this life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the power of the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. That's what he's talking about. And so the enemy has lied to us to make us think that we love sin. Our flesh loves sin. Our flesh loves certain things. You, I, cannot. You can't have bitter and sweet water from the same fountain. What happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned? Were they thrown out? Yep. And a guard was placed at the entrance to the garden. Why? Has he said, lest they go and eat of the tree of life 
and live in this state forever. He's not going to do now what he refused to do then. He's not going to let us live, give us eternal life in a fallen state. He's going to give us new life in Christ. It's all through there. It's from Galatians to Revelation. I'm sorry. From uh, Genesis to Revelation. Started with a G. From Genesis to Revelation. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you are spirit. That's who we are. We are spirit who live in a body and have a soul. We're made in the, in the image of Christ and he is spirit. If you're led by the spirit, you're not, you're not under the law. See, when you're led by the spirit, there's freedom and confidence that you're doing what God wants you to do. And you're not under this big stick. And you better go do this. Or you better. You know that you're in the spot where God, where the Holy Spirit wants you to be, and He's using you in that moment. You don't have to sit around and, and live under this this uh, this old <laughs> taskmaster, this old schoolmaster, this old um, tutor that really teaches you. To, the Bible says in this in Galatians that the the law was a tutor teaching us that we needed salvation in Christ. And so there's freedom and confidence. You're no longer focused on the do's and don'ts. You're focused on the relationship with Jesus Christ. And it works that way. You say, well, that's good for Billy Graham, but that's not for me. I'm going to tell you something. Billy Graham, is, this room is filled with Billy Grahams. It doesn't matter if we're preaching to stadiums or we're weeping with somebody who's hurting. If that's God's will, it's the same reward. And so my role, my part, whatever that is, if it's to hold the door open and hand people bulletins, man, I'd, I'd be thrilled to do that. It doesn't matter what it is as long as we know it's the will of God. And so we walk in victory by walking in the Spirit of God. Well, we have to be able to recognize both the deeds of the flesh and the deeds of the Spirit. So... We're going to begin here, as he does in, in the scriptures, with the deeds of the flesh. So if you're wondering if it's your flesh leading you, here's what it looks like. Whatever, if it's leading you toward immorality, ungodly sexual things, impurity, sensuality, it appeals to the senses. Idolatry, putting, you know, when we think of idolatry, we think of idols putting anything before God. Can you put something good before God? Can I put a car before God? I shouldn't, but I can. People do. Can I put, can I put um, success at work before God? We shouldn't, but people do, don't they? Well, you don't understand. We've just got to work harder and we've got to do this. If I'm going to get promoted, I'm going to have to work on Sundays too. And we put priorities and things ahead of God in our lives. And when we do that, we're missing the point. That's idolatry. Anything that, that causes us to say no to God's word, and to do that is an idol in our lives. Sorcery. Well, I remember as a youth pastor, there was um, the Wiccan movement came through. Have you ever heard of the Wiccans? 
You know what they teach? They teach is that you do white magic. You only do what's good. It's only positive things. You're only allowed to do positive things. And so it can't be bad. It can't be contrary to God. Let me tell you something. When you open yourself to spiritual forces that are not God, that ain't God. And you can call it good, and you can call it whatever, but if I open my life up to um, demonic forces that are not from God, I am not in the place that I need to be with the Lord. So be careful. Enmities. Strife. Well, if so-and-so does that, then I'm going to do this. We start plotting. You ever, you don't have to raise your hand, you ever plotted against somebody? Done it? Well, I'm getting ready, so I know what my plan is in case they come. It's on. Instead of praying for those who despitefully use us. It's a rough one, isn't it? I don't want to pray for them. You ever said that one before? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I started doing this and it helped me. I haven't done it in a while, so I probably need to do it again. But I started praying that God would bless the people that I felt were coming against me. And it changed me. And, and hopefully it changed them too. It's really fun to be set free that way. Crossing that first line though, where you actually say it to the Lord, that's the hard part. And so we're not called to enmity and strife. We're not called to fight. We're called to faith. So be careful. Jealousy. Listen. People are jealous of other people all the time. Well, I want what they want. I got. I, that's not fair. This is jealousy comes out of this is not fair, right? How come they have that money, or how come they have that person? Or it's the old '80s song, Jesse's Girl. Right? I want Jesse's girl. I want what somebody else has. Well, but pastor, isn't, doesn't the Bible say that God is jealous? How is that our flesh then? The jealousy that God has, the way the word is used, it's talking about the desires of God. That he is solely committed to us. Our jealousy comes from selfishness. Not committing, being committed to the betterment of somebody else. That's a loving jealousy, and there's a difference. And so, jealousy is, is part of our flesh, outburst of anger. You never known people with a short fuse? You ever had a short fuse? You say, no, I can't really know, but that one person, man, they just, they just set me off. They just have to breathe around me. And you're like already in, you're like, instead of going in at a two or three, you're already at an eight. And they show up and they make one comment and it's like, it's on. They say one thing, I'm ready. We're already amped up. 
That's your flesh. That's what the flesh looks like. Disputes. Dissension that's working against other people. Just to be contrary. You know, and y'all have heard this story, but this is a true story. There was a, this, I got this from a, uh, one of the pastors that I grew up under. That when he was, he took me aside after I surrendered to ministry. and He was telling me about a one church business meeting. And this is the God's honest truth. They were fighting over the color of the curtains. These two ladies in the congregation. The color of the curtains that went over the sink in the bathroom. I don't mean the sink in the kitchen. And he was trying to get through the business meeting and hoping this would not come up. And one of them moved that they should put in the blue curtains over the sink. And oh, my friends, it was on. The other woman stood up, put her hands on her hips and said, Now, dear! And let her have it. Let me tell you something, that ain't godliness. I could give a rip if the curtains were pink polka dotted and moth eaten. If people are being saved and their lives are turning to Christ and he's working in them and he's producing fruit for them, who gives a rip what the curtains are? I told, you know, there's a, there's a church in California that has a room you can't go in because it's the Jones Memorial carpet in there. Let me tell you something. I hope I have to replace this carpet in t- five years. Because there's so many... Don't look at the carpet. Look at me. <laughs> because so many people have come through that we've worn it out. Because they're hearing of the gospel. Because they're, they're falling in love with their brothers and sisters in Christ. That there's holes in the sheetrock. Because people are there. And you know when people get around one another we're kind of messy aren't we? Now, I'm not talking about disrespecting the house of God. I'm not talking about taking something pouring it out. But I'm just saying life is falling apart. And if we're more concerned about the periphery than we are about Jesus Christ and his people, we've got our eyes in the wrong place. This is about him. He died for you. He died to give you life. And we're trading it for mediocrity. And I think it breaks his heart when we do that. Imagine, parents, you know this. You buy your kids this wonderful Christmas present. We're coming into that season. They take the present out and then play with the box. And all the parents said, Amen. And what do we think? You know, I bought them this gift and they're playing with the box. Next time, I'm just going to buy them a box. <laughs> right, Vince? Where's the refrigerator store? <laughs> and I wonder if that's what we're doing. We're playing with the box when he's like, man, I've given you all this and you're not even touching it. And so be careful. Disputes, dissensions, factions, that's just grouping up. Well, we're going to, listen, you know, we should... You used to say this in, in school. Well, if you get a friend with my friend, you get a or you get a problem with my friend, you get a problem with me. Is that the right attitude? How about if you get a problem with my friend, let me be a peacemaker and bring you all together. Amen. Amen. 
Y'all falling asleep? We haven't even had turkey yet. Right? It's not, I don't have, I don't have to prove anything to my friend if they're really my friend. A good friend is going to tell you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. Very few good friends exist in life. I had one who told me what I needed to hear this weekend. That was fun. But you know what? I thank God for him today. In the moment, I wasn't so thrilled with him. But he's a real friend. That's the way it works. Faction, envying, you shouldn't be envying. That's a fleshly thing. Drunkenness, that's feeding your flesh. Carousing, that's just wild living. Listen, folks, that's your flesh. Those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me, let me be careful and explain this to you. So, does that mean if I've ever done any of those things that I'm lost and I can't go to heaven? No. Don't what that means. What does the word practice mean? We say practice makes... Right? Know what we say? So, if I'm practicing something, I'm working at it to get better at it. Those who walk with God don't practice these things. They may make these mistakes sometimes if they give into the flesh. And it's a way of identifying whether or not you're walking with the Lord or whether you're lost. Because that's what he's talking about. These are the characteristics of the flesh of those who are lost. Now, can we exhibit them at times? Absolutely, if we give into our flesh. But if that's all there is of your life, maybe you don't know the Lord. I mean, that's an honest question. Shouldn't we check that? Let me tell you something. If we could all check that today, I think that's not a bad thing. If we got to check, I told, I used to say this to parents when their teenagers would come to me after they had prayed and received Christ at a youth event, who would tell me, well, they received Christ when they were seven. My answer to them is, look, if we get everything about church wrong, let's not get salvation wrong. Let's not get this wrong. Let's get this right. If they're unsure, let's do it again. If they're unsure, let's do it again. Here's what, think about it from the enemy's perspective. If he's trying to keep people from being saved and people are lost, what would he tell them? Well, you're all right. You're doing fine. You don't need, you don't, you're all right. You don't need to check. You ever go through those times, you're like, am I really saved? Am I sure? Am I, I think we all go through, I've been through it. But it's almost always associated with behavior, isn't it? Almost always. But we check. So if the enemy's working in your life, he's going to tell you, oh, you're just fine, everything's fine. You don't need that. You're good. That's what I would do if I were him. I wouldn't want people checking and finding out that they need the Lord. He doesn't work that way. So take an honest look. Don't, listen ladies and gentlemen, do not give in to your flesh. And you know what? Those things are tempting. They're tempting. They appeal to us. 
I have said this before, and I have to say, I'm going to reveal something here. I, in the past, have said that I am not tempted by Brussels sprouts. Well, I happened to be at lunch with somebody who had Brussels sprouts. And they were all like, oh man, this is so good. This is so good. And I was a little tempted for that moment. I may go back. I may not. But they don't tempt me. Chocolate cake? Barbecue? Good barbecue? And all the good, a uh, good turkey, <laughs> turkey and dressing, potatoes, mashed potatoes. Anybody like mashed potatoes? Pumpkin pie, apple pie. You ever had a really good salad? Yes. Am I help? What time is it? <laughs> Those things are tempting because our flesh likes them. They taste good in the mouth. You can't be tempted by something that doesn't taste good to you. So the fact that we recognize it tastes good or that it feels good in the moment doesn't make it good. If it's appealing to something. You ever heard the phrase comfort food? Yeah, I gotta give me some comfort food, man. Usually if somebody's going through something or having a hard time, are we meant to find comfort in food? We're meant to find our comfort in the Lord, right? So, does food become an idol at that point if it replaces the Lord? You're like, man, why did I come today? <laughs> this is the truth, ladies and gentlemen, amen? amen? We don't like it. I don't like it either. But it's true. So the fruit of the Spirit, let's move into the, the positive side of things. The fruit of the Spirit is the outflow of the Spirit in you. And here's what it looks like. Love. Isn't that funny that it starts with love? Love. It's a loving act. This isn't the emotion love. Like you, he's so good looking. Or she's so pretty. It's love. Love is the commitment to the betterment of somebody else. You're committed to the people around you. It's, it's you're loving toward them. Love, joy. Joy is contentment in the Lord regardless of the circumstances. I'm content. Doesn't matter what's going on. I'm content with Him. I think that's what um, Job had. For a while. Because <laughs> Job questioned the Lord, didn't he? I wonder if when he got to heaven, if he asked, ever asked him, why'd you point me out? <laughs> and he had joy. Peace. Boy, peace is, <laughs> seems like peace is hard to find. Now what we have that we call peace is detente. You're on your side, I'm on my side, and we're not going to engage, so we're okay. We have peace. That's not peace. Some marriages work that way. I'm going to threaten you just enough so you don't mess with me. That's not peace. Peace is united in heart and mind. Seeking the same thing. 
That's what happens when you walk in the Spirit. We're after the same thing. His name is Jesus Christ. Peace, patience. Woo, don't pray for patience. You ever heard that one? I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to help you all have patience. I'm going to give it to you this morning. Bible says that joys are joys. That trials work patience, right? Y'all all know that. That's why we go don't pray for it. It also says that it's a fruit of the Spirit. So if we walk in the Spirit, we pray for the fruit of the Spirit, patience is naturally part of that. What happens when we face trials? Watch this. I'm going to tell you how it works. This is how it works. So I got this hard stuff going on. I'm trying to fix it. It keeps falling apart. You ever been there? Keep trying to make it better. Keep trying to make it better. Keep falling apart. And everything I do just makes it worse. Amen? And so what do I do? At the end of that whole journey, I go, Okay, Lord, it's all yours. That's what he wanted to begin with. I don't know why we want to start that. And the reason that trials work patience is we don't go willingly to the Holy Spirit. And when we go to the Holy Spirit, we turn everything over to Him and listen and follow, obey. We have patience because the Holy Spirit is reigning in our life. What trials do is allow that. You can choose to do that without going through the trial. Right here. Patience, kindness. You know, I've met some people that it's just, it's just, they have this, the kindest nature that you've ever seen. You know those kind of people? A few of them are in this room. They just have a kind and gentle spirit. Goodness is an outflow of the Holy Spirit. Being good to other people. Faithfulness. It's required of a servant to be found what? Faithful. It goes back. If we're going to serve him, and that's what's required, and it's found in him, as we yield to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is there, we meet the requirement. You can't do it without him. It's funny how this all works together. Gentleness. We all know. That's usually our grandma, right? I remember grandma. My grandfather was that way too. My grandma was a pistol, but we loved her. I remember we were on a. This has nothing to do with sermon. We were on a. We were on a boat. We were going fishing. And it started to rain. Everybody ran inside, and she ran to the bow. She's up there, all soaking wet, standing on the bow. You would have thought it was Titanic, the movie. But that was my grandma. And self-control. Well, you don't understand. I just can't control myself. Really? That's not what that says. But I believe you when you're walking in the flood. You can't control yourself. Because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So when you're walking in obedience to the direction of the Holy Spirit, these characteristics will surround your action as the Spirit flows out. That's the joy of this. And so he says here, in these final verses, he says, those who belong to Christ, those who are saved, have, past tense, 
crucified the flesh in its evidence by a reduction or the elimination of its passions and desires. It's natural with salvation for these things to begin to fall off over time. That's the process of sanctification as you learn to walk with the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. It says, since the Spirit gives us life, shouldn't we also let Him lead us? He's the one who gives you salvation. He is the earnest money of our salvation. He's the down payment. He's the one we turn to and He comes into our life and we're put into Christ and we're saved. And we turn to Him because we needed to be saved. We recognize we were sinners. We turn our whole life over to Him. And then here comes the ridiculousness. Alright, I got it now. That's what we do. Now, what I, I'm going to do these things for you. Well, what if He doesn't want me doing those things? What if He wants me digging ditches? Listen, if God wants me digging ditches... I will go dig ditches and I'll do it the rest of my life, every day. And I, those of you who know me know I hate to dig in the dirt. I hate it. If that's God's will for me, I'll do it and I'll pray for a love to do it. Because nothing else matters. You know what? Even your retirement doesn't matter in light of what God wants for you. Well, but you don't understand. You don't understand. How am I going to... Listen... You know how many retirements went broke? How many pension plans have turned upside down? Talk to the older generation. Things they were counting on for years, decades of their life is gone. That's not security, ladies and gentlemen. The one who's above all that security. Pastor, that's hallowed ground. No, it isn't. The hallowed ground is where Jesus stands. If it's hallowed ground to you, that's a problem. That's an idol. If it's in the place of Christ, it's an idol. Well, what am I going to do? You're going to trust Him. That's easy to say. You're right. It's really easy to say. It's hard to do. I'm in there with you. I know the emotion. I've got to make this happen. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? He's been dealing with me with that this week. Last two, three weeks. Trying to make something happen. And everything that you can count on just falls away. Isn't that fun? And it's because our heart's not completely on Him. As you walk with the Spirit and you see God work, don't let it make you boastful, challenging of others, or even envious. Well, how can God works through Dwayne like that and not me? That's not fair. Listen, your branch, the fruit in your branch will come to life when you abide. That's the key, John 15. If you're not abiding, you're never going to see fruit. Never. You can go, I don't care where you can go to any church you want. You're not going to see fruit. We've replaced the awe of God with technology today. Lights and TV cameras and all this stuff. And you know what he wants? He don't care about none of that. 
doesn't say the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those who have the best technology. It says they roam through all the earth, seeking those whose hearts are completely His. And I want to be a part of a group. I don't even care how big we are. I want to be a part of a people that that's what we want. That's what I want. I want his eyes to stop here because he can't help himself. <coughs> In a manner of speaking, he's gone. <laughs> right? Amen? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you want to be in that circle, in that part where people whose hearts are completely his are praying for a revival, praying that God would save the lost, praying for those homes where there used to be corn? Praying for opportunities, seeking Him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, leaving nothing on the table. It's all yours. That's what I'd love to be a part of. Listen, let Him lead and let Him take credit. So if we're going to walk in victory, let me give you a practical side to this. Don't approach your day with your agenda. Well, here's my day. I've got this to do, this to do, this to do, this to do. Let's get up, let's get going. We, gotta, we all have that list, right? In the morning, we've got these things to box and check out. We've got kids ready. We've got to get them out the door by this time. Or get up, get up, get up. Nope, my hair's going up today. I don't have time. Why not ask God what is his agenda for the day? Let's go that way. Talk to the Lord. Ask for direction. And when He gives it to you, obey it and give Him glory for what He does. Let Him lead your day. It's time to turn those things over to Him. Two. Learn to discern why you are doing what you do. Learn to discern why you're doing what you do. Does it appeal to your flesh or because you've been led to or spoken to? See, folks, it matters that we get this right. If we're going to function on the agenda that God has for us, we need to know why we're doing We need to be honest with our intentions. Sometimes we just lean to ourselves naturally. We have to be careful that we lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and let Him direct our paths. Three. Discover what the Lord or the Holy Spirit is doing around you and join Him as He leads. Y'all remember the book Experiencing God a few years back? Yeah. What's God doing? Let's find out what that is and find out what our part is. Let's seek Him. Lord, what are you doing today? What have you been doing in the lives of people around me? You'd be surprised how conversations start to open up. Experiencing God requires us to go to Him and not Him to come to us. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? I hope you are. See, I read this story of one of the most famous composers who kind of, he had this son that was kind of It was an interesting relationship to say the least. 
And his son, when he would come in late, his son would go to his father's piano and he would play a scale and leave the last note out. He would go, then he would play it loud so his father could hear it. He would go to bed knowing that it was torturing his father. And his father would lay there and he would writhe in bed. And last night. And finally he would get up and he would go hit that last note. And complete the scale. Make it eight out of eight instead of seven out of eight. Listen. You're like, what does that have to do with this? We can get everything else right, but if we don't get this right... We're not completing the call that comes with salvation. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to miss out on what God has for us tomorrow or this afternoon. And I think his heart's desire, my heart's desire for you and for you not to miss a single moment of what God has for you in this life. Not one Now, has Mark missed some in the past? Yes. So if you're sitting there saying that, well, I've missed some already, so what's the point? The point is, the past is gone, today is today, and the future has not come yet. God's only given us one direction, ladies and gentlemen, and it's forward. If you live in the past, you're going to be anchored into something that's changing what's going on in your current situation and your future. Why would you do that? Let that stuff go. Let the blood take care of that. Let's move forward with the Lord. If you want to walk in victory, this is the only way. It's not by trying harder. It's not by always having the right answers. It's not by being super smart. It's by doing it the way God said to do it and letting the Holy Spirit work in it through you. That's what we're called to. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.